0: Welcome to the Queen Trail Podcast. Meditation doesn't have to be sitting still and having an empty mind. The journey is such a beautiful thing because we are all on a journey.
1: You want to make sure you have some kind of distribution plan, at least have an idea of it, because you can make this really amazing film, and it only gets seen by your family and friends.
0: Old Hollywood is still intact. Every horse runs hard, but when they win, and they know it, they've got this little
1: sass about them. It was pretty rough, I had to go into the water and with my med pack, swim to the beach, treat these guys, put them on my back, swim out to the helo. And I'm like, oh
0: my God, I've never seen those before. And I said, what are those? And before I could even finish the sentence, she said, oh my God, you didn't touch them, did you?
1: Even if monarchs go away and we never see one again, because there never will be monarchs again if they die out, it is just a little indicator of larger threats yeah. my dad said so what were
0: you guys doing in the desert and i said we were taking nude photos hey everyone welcome back i hope you had a great week since the last time that we got together it has been an incredibly crazy week la is actually experiencing blizzard conditions i think that's literally the first time in my life that i've heard anything like that and it's really kind of bizarre i saw a picture this morning of Greystone Mansion which is in Beverly Hills and the grounds were dusted in snow so even though I haven't been caught in snow I did get caught in a hailstorm the other day actually two of them and they were pretty lengthy I mean you know of course all of this stuff is really short-lived like one hailstorm was five minutes and the other one was maybe three But I know that a lot of people who regularly experience these weather phenomena, for lack of a better word, think that it's really silly of us to be making such a big deal out of it. But really, if you take a moment to think about it, it really is a big deal. It's like one of those when pigs fly moments, right? So right now... There's a lot of pigs on wings causing this weather mayhem to occur. (laughs) And it's like, you know, although it's statistically possible for it to happen, it's incredibly rare for us to have temperatures that are this low or frost or hail or snow. In fact, any time that snow comes up in a conversation in Los Angeles, and I mean like not just now, but ever. There's always that one person in the room. They're usually older than everybody else and so have a lot of great stories to share. They're the ones that are going to come up and say, oh, I remember when I was a kid and it snowed on my block and all the kids ran outside and we made snowmen or, you know, somebody brought out a toboggan or something like that. I cannot imagine that much snow happening in Los Angeles, but you know, that is what you hear. Or if that person is not in the room with you, you hear somebody retelling their dad's story or their grandmother's story. And it's really such a cool thing because it brings out those elements of storytelling traditions that are so important to connection to the human story, right? Because it doesn't just tie us together in the now, but also across generations and time periods, it lets us know this is not necessarily a unique experience. It's happened before. And here's what we know about it. Like it introduces information to help us navigate these weird things that are happening right now. Whether it's let's go out and have a snowball fight and build a snowman or, you know, don't go hiking because it's probably not a good idea right now. And of course, there's also all of the articles on the social media feeds and the news that are offering all of this anecdotal and historical accounts of the time when it snowed in LA, right? And according to the LA Times, it has snowed at least five times since I've been alive. And I literally have missed every single one of them. (laughs) I do not recall seeing snow anywhere. But one of the cool things that I saw today is my cousin posted a photo of snow in his front yard and this cute little snowman that he and his boys made. And I think that that's what makes these rare events so incredible and memorable, right? Because they unite family and friends and strangers alike by providing something that's so novel and short-lived, yet so incredibly impactful that even if you haven't been a part of it, your grandma's story of being a little kid when it snowed on her block is totally worth retelling today. I mean, it's a big deal. Snow in Los Angeles is proof that magic exists. And I, I mean, like, I think it kind of pushes that reset button, right on the monotony of life's busyness, the stress of work, you know, the crazy traffic commutes. In fact, it's the kind of stuff that makes you smile and wonder and makes you forget your tiredness because it tugs at that striped t-shirt that your child self is still wearing. And it makes you pull over and step out of your car and suddenly feel alive. So it is a big deal. And I am hoping that you're enjoying it. Cold hands, wet shoes and all. Oh, well, not the wet (laughs) shoe. I hate it when my feet are wet and cold. So keep some dry socks in your car. It'll save you. That said, something else that is a big deal as well is conversations with friends. So today I'm going to bring you part two of my talk with Gianna Carter, who is the singer of Sugar Lips and the duet The Lovelies. She is also a kick-ass host of karaoke, open mic night, and an equally spectacular DJ. And we hit on all of that in the last episode. This episode, I've entitled Sidebar Conversations because we went off subject quite a few times and it just made more sense to compile our fun conversations about dogs and travel as a separate episode so please grab a cuppa and join Gianna Carter and me in this week's in the company of friends talk enjoy we hey great
1: job I'm sorry my dog <laughs> my in here, he's like, which hey, one is that me. this is Randall like he's about three hi Randall come here stop at everybody There we go. Did I meet him at the restaurant? I think it was yeah. Randall and was it Randall and Hugo that we brought? Probably or Quinn. Yeah, you may not have met Quinn yet. You gotta meet Quinn and Nelson now. We've got eight now. (laughs) What? No. Oh my god! We're not
0: hoarders.
1: (laughs) They're like cheerballs.
0: They just—it's like I
1: swear we only had one, and now we have eight. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I started off with sugar. That was it. I had sugar. (laughs) Now I've got (laughs) It just happens. When you love animals, it's very difficult to keep from rescuing them. We inherited it too. um, And then we adopted Randall in memory of my dog, Norton. I don't know if you remember him from back at the house. I totally remember
0: Norton. And he loved if I sat on the end of the couch with my arm on the armrest, he would squeeze in between the armrest and my ribs and yep. somehow turn around and then get his head on my lap. And yep.
1: he just snuggled in there. He was, oh, he was so He was a cute. snuggle bug. <laughs> yeah. I used to call him Butterball because he looked like a little Butterball turkey from behind. He was so cute. <laughs> when he passed away, we decided to rescue Randall. And... It just snowballed from there because, you know, I turned Russ into a crazy animal lover like myself. So <laughs> he he started looking at the shelter all the time. I'm like, no, no, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't look at the pictures every day.
0: You're going to have 365 of them pretty soon, one for each That's day of the week. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I follow the shelter here in town as well. And there are so many times where I'm like, oh my God, I got to go get that dog. And I mean, I have a big yard, but it has a lot of openings, like a lot of wrought iron fencing where a dog could squeeze in between. And so it would have to get upgraded. But I've got my two cats and I inherited a tortoise he's just a little guy and he's never going to get bigger than a bread plate so he's super okay. cute and uh, it's interesting having a tortoise after never having one my entire life <laughs> i never thought i'd own, you know i'd be the owner of a tortoise but he's right. so cute he's got his uh, little paw wrapped around my pinky <laughs> You know, and then there's a lot of times where I'm like, just a guinea pig. We could get a guinea pig or a bunny, you know, be fine with the cats. And I just
1: hear Sophie going, no, mom. Exactly. Don't do it. <laughs> well, shoot, the last one that we got, I didn't even have any say in. I was sitting on the couch. Russ gets up and he's walking up the door and I'm like, where are you going? He goes, I have errands. I'm like, errands, really? <laughs> I'm like, nobody even uses that word anymore. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And I see him. He grabs one of our dogs' harnesses, and I go, "Are you getting a new harness for Quinn?" And he goes, "Don't worry about it. I'll tell you when I get home." Oh my I'm god! Like, what is going on here? <laughs> the secrecy. Now you know
0: that errands is secret code for I'm getting another dog, and you just yeah, that. Exactly.
1: I'm like, honey, <laughs> every day I'm running an errand. <laughs> yeah. FaceTime me from the shelter and he's like what do you think about this little guy I was like oh no I knew it (laughs) like I knew what you were doing but eight eight is great Sesame Street and do they all get along they pretty much do it's funny they all have their own personalities Mm. not one of these dogs is like the other which usually you know you kind of get two together and they kind of grow on each other and kind of become similar they're awesome though they all have their own things that we love and just Again, another thing that just brings so much joy to us. And they probably entertain each other as well. Oh, they do. When they start playing, I honestly don't think there's anything better. They get the zoomies and they'll be running around together and just going <laughs> crazy, running in circles, and they, you see them all start chasing each other. And then they up. They look like National Geographic. They look like they're killing each other, but they're just having fun. <laughs> the newest one, Nelson. He's still really, really puppy. He was two months old when he was put into the shelter because his owner was arrested (laughs) and either (laughs) never got out or didn't come back to claim him. I don't know which. And we got him when he was four months old. So half of his life had been spent in puppy jail. So (laughs) – we got him home and we got him in with the other dogs. And I've never seen a dog get into a pack and act like he belonged faster. Within two days, he was barking. He was playing. He was eating food. He was running around. I mean, like, he didn't even care.
0: Wow. That's so cool. You should start a
1: channel for them. We have actually discussed that. Their personalities are so much fun and they do so many crazy things that it's just, we feel like we definitely have to do something with them. We either put them on t-shirts or start a channel for them. We They're on YouTube they're on russ's youtube channel and a lot of people like the videos kids. we take is that a public one yeah what is it so people can go and watch those videos i think it's just russell carter subscriptions there you go i was like where am i going i feel sometimes like i've lost my youth because i no longer <laughs> am really great with technology like i used to be <laughs> girl now i find myself asking questions <laughs> And
0: sometimes I just hand stuff over to Sophie and I'm like, please go on my settings and fix all of this because I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. And yeah. So it's not just you. That's so funny. It is at Russell Carter, 1872. That was a good year. Oh, so he
1: used his birth year. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait until he hears that. (laughs) <laughs> i always tell <told. laughs> we love you russ <laughs> <I> know, <right? laughs> oh he's not back here he has
0: no idea <laughs> he's a vampire that's what yes. he is he comes out at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about you got on stage you wanted to melt into that brick wall yes and then what
1: happened when you started singing well, I sing. I you know that part was kind of a blur, honestly. That first time, because I was just like, I just wanted to get it over with. I really just wanted to be off the stage. I did not want people looking at me or hearing me. It was like <laughs> I, I honestly felt that feeling that people have that nightmare where they're naked in front of everybody.
0: That yes. is exactly how
1: I felt. I was like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> so, Well, you know, you're supposed to flip that so that you're
0: the one that's dressed, and everybody else in the audience is naked in front of you. Oh, exactly.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you know what? I've tried using that and I don't know about you, but it's never worked for me. A lot of people, you know, everybody has their own way of dealing with that kind of pressure. Like you said, like that stress, you know, some people, yeah. Looking out at the audience and picturing them naked makes them feel less vulnerable. You know, maybe they have that kind of, mind where they can put that out there other people like you said the more prepared you are i feel like the more comfortable you're going to be because if somebody asks you a question if something goes wrong nothing goes as planned and you're like (laughs) ah you're the one that has everything you're like okay i can accommodate this problem and i feel like that's the same thing for like any kind of performance really because like when you get up to sing, I mean, I remember when I first started with the band and stuff like that, because I obviously I started karaoke and stuff like that. And I did that for a long time. But when I finally really started doing the band stuff, it was terrifying to be up there and wonder if you were going to forget the words or if you were playing on the guitar at all. It was like, oh, my gosh, I got to know how to play these chords and sing the song at the same time. And when I would have to go up there with sheet music on a stand or something, I mean, I always just felt crazy, just out of control. And at this point I'm just like I I've got it down. You know, I'm like <laughs> I still get a little bit nervous about certain events that are bigger, but on a day-to-day basis like what I do all the time, now it's it's just fun. It's just a beautiful job. To, I mean, I, and it doesn't even feel like a job. Russ and I talk about that all the time, about how just a few years ago, my job was a regular eight to five, working at a desk, working for people that some of them didn't know what the heck they were doing, you know, (laughs) and just having to put up with all the same BS from day to day that everybody else has to. And I'm like, now I leave my house at 7 p.m. I work maybe four hours in the time and it's not even like work I type in a song on the computer for somebody I help them sing sometimes I make them feel good about themselves I help them have a good time and have fun I help the bar make money and it's like is this really my job (laughs) like (laughs) am I really making money doing this (laughs) that is really cool it really is I mean I just I had to decide that because when um you know just like everybody and I mean I hate I really hate saying this on one hand because I feel like it's almost like a slap in the face of anybody that had um, like during COVID was laid off from a job that they loved. But it was honestly, for me, the best thing that ever could have happened. Because my intelligence, you know, the side that your mom's always in the back of your head going, Well, you have to have a fallback. You can't be a creative person. You've got to do that on the side. That was always going on in my head. So I was like, I have a good job. It pays all of my bills. I have benefits. I get free liquor. You know, I was like, <laughs> right. what else do you want? And it's an easy job for you. It's like I had no real stress, just workplace drama. And I was just like, I would never have left that job on my own because in my mind it was like, you have to have a job. But I never really thought like, hey, I could use all of those same skills that I'm, I'm using to make this business, what part I'm in that business, do better. And I'm like, I could take all of that and make my own business and, and have this. I mean, because before this, before the pandemic, I didn't really, I, I mean, I hosted karaoke maybe like once or twice for people. I, mean, I DJed one time because uh, somebody didn't show up in the band. You know, stuff like that. And I was like, I can do all of this stuff. There's nothing stopping me. And there's no learning curve for me. I have the equipment. I have the ability. You know, I'm like, I why would I go find another job like this last one that's got all these pluses, but it stifled my creativity. It did not make me happy. It didn't bring me joy. You know, all it did was pay the bills. And which is of course the only thing a job is supposed to do technically, but my mom, you know, you knew her and anybody else that knew her, my mom always told me, you know, you need to find something that makes you happy though. And for her, she enjoyed when she worked for Dr. Brown doing optometry. Um, She enjoyed years ago when she was a florist, things like that. So Mm -hmm. she found lots of things where she could be creative and help people and things like that, that made her happy. But for me, this was the only thing. And now I'm able to do it seven days a week. And I mean, it doesn't even feel like it. Like I look at my calendar sometimes and I might have three or four days off in a month. And people are like, how can you do You must be exhausted. You must be this. I'm like, not really. I feel great. (laughs) Like I have most of my day to myself when everybody else is at work to do whatever business I need to handle. And then at night I go and it's like, it's the easiest job in the world for me because I love it. And that makes a huge difference. And
0: sometimes you have to make those choices. And a lot of times, the things that seem most catastrophic in our lives are the ones that pivot us in the direction that we need to go to or, you know, force us to reach deep and go, this is not available to me anymore. What can I do? And if you can get something that makes you happy. I don't think that there's any reason why you shouldn't head in that direction, if you're able to make it work for you financially and emotionally and all of that. So I think that's awesome. And yeah, I remember your mom saying that And she would tell me the same thing, because I would be like super stressed out about something. And she's like, we got to get you doing something that you really like. And honestly, what I'm doing right now is what I absolutely love doing is connecting with my friends and, and just sharing conversations. You know, because like you said, making people feel good, coming up to sing karaoke and just have a good time, that in turn makes not just the person that you're lifting up feel good, but you as well. And so it's a wonderful
1: thing. Yeah. It really is. That's why for me, music is such a beautiful thing because you don't find a lot of jobs in life where you get to do something that makes you feel good. You know, it makes me feel good to get up and sing and have people say nice things back to me and tell me how much they enjoyed it. But to also bring them joy when they say like, you know, can you play this song? It was my wedding song. And, you know, when you play it, you see them smile and and hug each other and kiss or they'll be like, this is a song we played my dad's funeral, you know, this and you see everybody crying and hugging and remembering and you're like you get to be a part of those people's lives even if it's just for a tiny moment but it, it means so much to them at that point and it, it's like how could you not want to do this job you know it's one of those things that I'm baffled too because I'm just like how did I get so lucky you know because I mean, no, I'm not famous. You know what I mean? Like some people are like, you don't don't you want to be a star? And I'm like, sure. You know, of course, if that happened, that'd be great too. But I'm like, how many people can live their day-to-day life doing what I do? This is also pretty incredible. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it is a
0: unique opportunity for sure. And they are rare opportunities because a lot of people don't go after them. They don't have that confidence or they have that voice in their heads. It's telling them that's not a real job. And even though you really want to transition over and make that your real job, there's that fear because you kind of have to jump across a valley to get to that other side. And once you do that, you feel like you can't go back. It's that safety net. The safety net has disappeared. And now it's
1: like, OK, you got to do this. Yeah. Sometimes though, I'll tell you, I I really wish somebody would have pulled that safety net out from under me a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Because I look back and as grateful as I am for right now, I do actually look back and feel like, gosh, look how much time you wasted I mean, just like when they had to let me go. I mean, it's not the end of the world for anybody, is it? You know what I mean? Like, I know a lot of people that were so afraid and they're like, what am I going to do? They couldn't survive without me because I know all of this at work. And I'm like, they'll survive with no problem without you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm like? And that's just cold, hard truth about, especially in the corporate world. I mean, maybe not so much in a smaller kind of thing, but I worked in a nationwide company. Yeah, I might do so much. I might know so much. None of it matters. They, they would absolutely survive if I didn't walk in the door the next day. I'm like, I don't kid myself that they need me. They don't. Yeah. Would it be would it be difficult a few days for them or even a month? Probably. Just switch everything around, you know, get it back. What I get to do is something totally different, you know, and I'm, and I'm grateful for that. Because like I said, I mean, it's all good. And there's a lot of people, like I said, that would be super grateful to have what I had. And that's why I don't look down on it for anyone else that says, gosh, I would have loved to have your job. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's certain people that want certain things. I mean, it's just like where you live. You know, some people are like, ugh, California, yuck. And I hear them say that. I'm like, really? I'm like, California is so beautiful. There's so much here, you know. It is. Yeah. And there, But I know a lot of people are like, oh, no way. I hate California. I'm like, wow. Okay. I'm like, I, I can't comprehend it, but I, I understand that you have your own feelings and it's like me. I love New York. I get people all the time like, "Ew, New York, really? Oh no!" And I'm like, "I absolutely love New York. I'm like, I'm a New Yorker soul, and I'm gonna be there one day. You know, like, you know, as much as I love California, it's my home. I'm like, I've always been drawn to New York. I want to be there. I want to be in that that creativity and that vibe, that unique. There, there's so much history there, and just so many possibilities. It's it's one of those places that's just like infinite. It's very different vibe from oh, totally. anything that's here in LA. Exactly. Well, pretty much anywhere else in the world. That's part of what I love about it is that it is uniquely New York. It's its its own entity. <laughs> I've seen that
0: picture of you and your mom with your hair, both of you guys, your hair is blowing all over the place and, <laughs> and uh, waiting for a ferry. But have you gone back since then?
1: Yes. I took rest in 2019. When I was still working, I was able to take a nice two-week vacation. We did I, That was my first time ever doing that, like taking a full, like real vacation. I'd taken vacation days. I'd gone to like Vegas, you know, things like that. But I had never really vacationed. And um, I took him back to my hometown where I grew up as a teenager in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And I got to meet up with some of my friends from middle school and high school, which was awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it funny. was crazy to see them. It was like no time had passed, but like a million years had passed too. It was just like, whoa, <laughs> it's a time warp. Yeah. It's like, wait, you got a kid now? <laughs> oh, oh, grandkids. Gosh, one of my friends has grandkids. I was like, what? I'm like, we're not old enough to have grandchildren. <laughs> Aren't we still 14? <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm like, I know I am.
0: <laughs> That's what I think when when my friends
1: tell me that they've got grandkids, and I'm like, wait a minute. Right? And I married grandchildren. I was like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, once once I got married to Russ, I was like, wow, I'm I'm Grandma Gianna. <laughs> like, this is weird. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, it's just a title. It's honorary. <laughs> <laughs> honorary Grandma yeah I took I, we we took such a great trip in 2019 and we went um so we went to Hendersonville and then we went to visit our friends Chad and Scott in Kentucky and um that was a it was such a it's so funny to go from California to Hendersonville is like whoa because Hendersonville is built up a little bit so it's not as rural and small town as it was when I was there but it's still compared to California. It's definitely, you know, more of a small town and rest like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, then we went into Kentucky and they live out in the, what they call the sticks. They call it the sticks because that's pretty much all that's out there are sticks <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. there's nothing else. And it was just crazy. Like at night, it was so pitch black. You could not see anything. And all you could hear were all the bugs. You could hear all the cicadas and the crickets. And I was like, I cannot sleep. I'm like, I can't do it. (laughs) The chorus. I know. Russ is like, it's it's so peaceful. And it's so not. I'm like, no, no. any noise. I need things going on. I'm like, this is crazy. Uh, Did you see fireflies while you were out there? Uh, I don't recall seeing fireflies, no. But I didn't really go outside at night. Because it was kind of, I mean, it was summertime. So we kind of stayed inside. It was very sticky and humid. The South yeah. has a very humid atmosphere at that point. You're just like, ugh. But they have acres there. And they had donkeys. And they had a goat named Hank. That was my little buddy. <laughs> and a couple of horses. Of course, they've had like dogs and cats and stuff. And now they have turkeys, things like that. It's crazy. Little wow. chickens running around. whole farm. It's, yeah, a whole farm. It's super cute. But that was its own experience, having fun doing that. And then we left from there, from the sticks. To go to the big city, <laughs> we went to New York straight what into Manhattan. What a contrast! Oh, big time! It it was magical. It really was. I mean, it's one of those things. It's just for me. There's some people that are just like, "Oh no!" They're like, "It's noise. It's loud. It's dirty. It's crowded." And I'm like, "Uh huh." <laughs> you know, for me, I'm like, yeah, it is. It's awesome. <laughs> like, I love it. Starry <laughs> eyed. Oh, totally. It was so much fun, and Russ fell in love with it too, and. He's like, this place is pretty amazing. Gosh, we were there maybe five days total. It flew by, but it also, you know, we were able to kind of live instead of just being there for like a day or two. It was incredible because you know that when my mom and I went, we had gone to the Statue of Liberty. That's where you saw us. That that picture is so funny. We're sitting there freezing, waiting for the ferry to come uh-huh. back and get us. <laughs> and uh, Hurry up! <laughs> exactly. Well, my mom had known like, I mean, because when I was a little kid, like, like two and three years old, like barely talking, I would tell her I was going to live in New York. And she's like, you don't even know what New York is. I'd never been there. And I was like, yeah, I do. And I was always into like drama growing up. Like I wanted to be an actress before I knew that I could sing. And she just thought I was being on TV because I'd always pretend to be stuff. And I'd see something coming on TV. I'm like, there's New York, see mom. And she's like, how do you know that that's New York? And I'm like, I just do. And uh, I always wanted to live there. And when we went on that trip together, she was like, please don't move here. (laughs) She was like, please. She was like, I can't be (laughs) 3,000 miles away from my daughter. And there's no way I can live here, you know, because she was claustrophobic. Uh, She wouldn't go in the subway. She didn't want to go in the elevators of all the big buildings. That's right. And so she gave me a good excuse. I mean, honestly, I I was pretty scared because I think I was like, I don't know, 23 in that picture or something like that. (laughs) And I was like... I was contemplating moving there on my own, just starting my life. I just think what a different life you would have had. I know. I do think about that. I'm just like, on one hand, I mean, I do imagine it, but then I also am such a firm believer of life happens the way that it's supposed to, even when you don't think it is. I agree with that.
0: The thing is that there's so many opportunities for us at every moment, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's never we can do this or we can do that. There's all of the in between this and that that we could also do and all of the on the other side of this and that that we can also do and you can only choose one thing at a time so you end up living the life that you chose but it doesn't mean that it's wrong or it doesn't mean that it was worse than what you might have lived in new york it's just the choice that you made and that's where the story had to start and now you're at a point where you can go i can go back to where i want to be
1: yep and i feel like certain things probably develop and grow within you that help you better survive those choices too i mean because like i look back at myself and i'm sure i'm sure a lot of people do probably most people do you look at yourself at like 23 24 when you knew everything <laughs> and you you knew everything about the world and you knew exactly <laughs> what you wanted and, this, and you're like oh my god I was so stupid <laughs> like, like I was an idiot <laughs> I knew nothing
0: you know we're so smart at that age oh, I totally. mean it's like you know somewhere along the line we start losing the brain cells but at that time of our lives we right. do know
1: everything we do we know everything <laughs> and we know what everybody else needs and we know what we need and we know how to make it happen you know And I look back at myself and I'm like, yeah, I probably wouldn't have survived in New York with that mentality. I wasn't tough enough, you know, and honestly, I mean, like I said, it was 50-50. I mean, I can blame my mom all day long, you know, because she absolutely out loud said, please don't move there. But inside, I was scared. I had a lot of trepidation about it. I was like, I want to live here, but oh my God, it's scary. (laughs) You know, I was like, I want to be all alone, 3,000 miles away from anybody I know you know, like not a soul is going to know me here. And it was a frightening thought. I was like, God, you know, I'm like, I know I made friends quickly wherever I went. I was never one of those people that had a hard time with that, thankfully. But I was like, I just don't know. I'm like, it's such a different world here. So it was easy to blame it on my mom. But now I'm like, I can't wait to go live there. I want to, I want to spend part of my life saying, no, I I live in New York. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm from New York. You know, (laughs) Sometimes we want to blame somebody
0: else oh yeah for a decision that we've made it, it's like i'm scared i'm unsure i'm overwhelmed by this but then they said something so i'm just
1: gonna blame it all on them. you know oh, totally yeah because i mean who wants to admit when either they're wrong or <laughs> when they don't have all the goods to make something happen no no it's got to be somebody else's fault
0: <laughs> right Especially when right, it can
1: be apparent, right? we we get to blame our parents for everything. I know, <laughs> I know my brother does. <laughs> so it's like I never did that to her after I was a teenager because I I really started taking stock in the fact that I had control over what I was doing. I, like I said, I mean, yeah, I can, I can blame certain things about myself that I've learned over the years and say, well, you know, my mom did this or did that and instilled it in me. But I can also uninstall that that thinking if I want to. So. It's all about
0: perspective. Exactly. You know, it's all about how you choose to look at things. You know, like this past weekend, which has nothing to do with moving to a place or not, but this past weekend was horrible. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, one of my girlfriends that lives, you know, not a crazy distance away from me, but I mean, far enough away where, you know, it's like a 20 minute drive for her to go out of her way to come over here so that we could go and do this Tai Chi class on Saturdays. Yeah. And we get down to my car and the battery is like, absolutely dead. So we had 15 minutes to get to Tai Chi, which was enough time. But now there's no way we're going to make it. And I'm like, you and Sophie go on your own she could tell that I was like freaking out because that stresses me out. The most is when I'm the one that's holding things up. And she's like, look, she because we don't have to go to Tai Chi. Like, just don't worry about it. We're not going to go to Tai Chi. Don't worry about it. We're going to get your car fixed. And I'm going to stay here with you. And I'm like, Oh my God. My God. <laughs> I love my friends so much. Thank you. Um, and then the very next day, Sunday, I was driving to the farmer's market. It was raining a little bit, so I couldn't really see the street and I must have run something over. And the next thing you know, I've got a flat tire and I'm in the intersection and I look up and I'm like, oh my God, there's three blocks of homeless shelters and stripped cars. And I'm by myself in my car and I don't have a choice but to stop there. And... You know, like both situations are perspective. I'm like freaking out over my car and then just having Alyssa go, I'm not even worried about it. We're just going to do this and get it fixed. And I ended up having a really great morning. So we ended up getting coffee and walking around downtown, and it was great. <laughs> it's
1: nice.
0: But then this situation, I was supposed to meet my friend at the farmer's market. And I'm like, you know, Not safe for me to be here by myself. And Mike came back and the tow truck driver came and picked me up and we got a new wheel. It took three hours to do it, but by the time we came back, the tow truck driver and I were like best friends. Mike was (laughs) so kind and stayed there and protected the car because he said it would have been stripped by the time we got he called me and he's like, Yeah, some guy just walked by with a radiator that he pulled out of some other car. Jeez.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Radiator. (laughs)
0: you know, it's perspective, because things could be like super scary, or super stressful, or super unpleasant in some way. And just realizing that you can make it through that you have good people in your life helps you overcome the next situation, you know, so I just think that when you're feeling that kind of anxiety, like, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it in New York. And also i have to add when you're feeling that anxiety it was back when you were 23 yeah. and <laughs> now we're older right so age also helps because it's like that's a lot of trouble to get that
1: worked up i'm not gonna do yeah, it right? <laughs> you know? i'm like that takes the a lot energy. of energy we- <laughs> exactly like, i am too exactly. tired to get worked up over this <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna worry today exactly
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true so that gives you a little bit of confidence so that you can actually go and do it i'm planning a trip right now we're gonna go to korea wow south yes <laughs> i know i know but it's stressful because it's expensive i'm trying to learn the language but i know i'm gonna get there and everybody's going to be speaking a million miles an hour and i'm gonna be like what
1: yeah that's a difficult language to speak yeah. Do you have anybody going with you that knows it or No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not at all. No, but you know, I did the
0: same thing when I went to Austria and Germany. I decided I was going to learn German, at least some, yeah. you know, before I went there. I feel like I'm choosing to go to another country that does not speak my language. I should try to speak their language. Yeah. I should attempt and I knew just enough to get myself in trouble. So <laughs> this one day, <laughs> it was a study abroad thing. We had a bunch of people with us. We were there for like six weeks. It was an honors history class and an honors music class. So one of the days we went to Hitler's Eagle's Nest, because we were learning European history, yeah. like four hours there, which is really... an excessive amount of time to be at that particular place. It's a very important place history wise, but it was a lot of time. And so I had maybe like eight other friends who were like bored out of their minds yeah. at this time. And so I go, you know, I was watching this PBS special. This is like such a stupid story. But <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like I was watching this PBS special before I came out here about this particular location and down at the base of this mountain is the black forest. And, you know, we can go to some of those locations. And so they're all like, oh, let's go check it out. I'm like, I bet you I could probably find that entrance. So I went over and I talked to the bus driver in German and I told him that our bus had left us and stranded us at the top of the hill. Could we get a ride down? And he's like, hop on. He was like, totally cool about it. (laughs) Got us to the bottom of the hill, the mountain. I'm calling it a hill. It was was a mountain. It's the Alps right there. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: And here we are out the Black Forest and we're walking along and I see the same exact path that was on PBS and I'm like this is it and there's all these signs all over the Safer Bolton and which means forbidden, forbidden in yeah. German <laughs> and so like no trespassing and we're looking around and we're like there's no guards let's go so we, we like got in there real quick And we found the sites that we were looking for. And then some of the guys were like, let's keep going. And you wouldn't think it because it's Germany, it's the Black Forest, the stories that we hear like Hansel and Gretel, and even like the sound of music. It always looks really cool and comfortable or too cold. But it was hot and humid and we had just hopped this bus without any water on us or anything. And we ended up really sweaty and thirsty. And at some point we come out of these trees and there's this just bucolic field covered in green grass, rolling hills and cows, like really, really, really (laughs) happy looking cows And it was gorgeous. And on the other side of these cows was this like half pipe of melted snow water tumbling down into a trough for them. And we all like raced over to this trough and we're like, water! And there's a little teeny tiny sign in front of it that said, kind of trinkwasser. Well, the very important word that had not stuck with me was kind. And uh, that means don't. But (laughs) I'm like, German is kind of like English a little bit, like trink is drink and Wasser is water. So kind of must mean kind, as in good drinking water. And that's all I had to say. And (laughs) everybody's like diving into this trough and we're all like drinking the water. And I'm telling you, that was the most delicious water I have ever tasted in my entire <laughs> life it was so good and I'm like the cows look healthy the grass is green what could be wrong with this water right. <laughs> we finally find our tour bus and I find the tour guide and I'm like Daniel what does kind of mean and he's like kind of and I go yeah like kind of drink water. he's like oh kind it means don't drink the water and I'm like oh everybody's head that was with me we were like
1: they're <laughs> all like looking at me, and I'm like, You said it was pain. <laughs> What's going to happen to us? He's looking at
0: us, <laughs> and he's like, Did you drink the water? And I'm like, Oh, um yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Is that bad? We did. Are we turning into happy cows? <laughs> It was, nobody got sick. Nobody got sick. It was just like, but I think about that because I'm like, I'm going to go to
1: Korea and I'm going to read some sign and I'm going to be like, oh yeah, that's what this means. <laughs> <I'm gonna> like, <laughs> it's going to be like toilet water. Like, no, no, I'm not supposed exactly, to read <laughs> it. Exactly.
0: I'm like, I'm a little bit scared
1: because I couldn't read it, oh. you know,
0: but just because I can read it doesn't mean I know what I'm saying. Well, and you know, you can do
1: Google Translate. I can do Google Translate. Yeah. It does it real time. So you can say in English, you know, you can say, don't drink the water. (laughs) See what it (laughs) says in Korean. And you're like... Okay. Exactly.
0: I think this says don't. (laughs) I'm going to be using a combination of a lot of different translation aids (laughs) while I'm over there, but I'm really excited about it and I can read it a little bit. I can speak it a little bit, but I have no high hopes that I'm going to get over there and be able to hold a conversation with anybody. Like you
1: said, I mean, you're, you're going into somebody else's area that does not speak English and when you show that, that you have the respect and the knowledge that you're at least trying to be respectful of whatever culture you're going into, I think that people will want to deal with you more because I feel like, you know, when they see a tourist, it's like, "Hey, I don't speak Korean." <laughs> what does it <this laughs> say? And they're like, "Oh, please!" You know, like, get, him, get this person away from us. We're gonna have them eat a chocolate-covered cricket. <laughs> you know, like, they just don't even care. They're like, "Let's mess with this girl." But when they see somebody who's actually trying, they'll be like, "All right, let's help her out." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? The the cool thing about
0: it too is like it gives me some insight into what foreign speakers go through just trying to learn English and also that we're not the only ones with crazy language rules, you know? Oh yeah. But it's hard because a lot of times I feel like, oh, okay, I'm saying this right, but I'm saying it with an American accent and I'm not forming my mouth muscles, my jaw muscles exactly right. And a lot of times the programs that I'm using to learn how to speak it. They're like, oh, that doesn't quite seem right. And so then I'll try again. (laughs) And then it'll be like, let's
1: move on. We can try this again later. (laughs) (laughs) Try this again later. But you know what's funny is that I think that a lot of those things They don't teach you specifics about your anatomy because there are so many languages that use different vocal sounds. We talk a lot in the middle of our mouths and like in our throats, um, like just in the very back of our mouth. There's glottal sounds and things that we don't use that come from further down in our throats that these languages do. So that's why we can't properly speak a lot of these languages because nobody's telling us to do that. We hear something and we're like, you know and they're like no they're like it needs to come from down here and you're like oh so you got to learn how to use and and we're not raised using those muscles so it's not easy for us to use those sounds you know because it doesn't come naturally it's just like french french you have to relax the back of your throat and like the back of your tongue to really get the words out properly because it's where they speak from same thing with vietnamese They have a lot that happens mid larynx, practically, like it's way down there. It's like almost like you're swallowing. I took phonetics when I went to acting school. I wanted to do acting most of my life before I found out that I could sing. And that was one of the hardest things was trying to say, you know, because we weren't we weren't actually learning any foreign language. We would just have to learn a part. And we'd have to learn whatever the words were for that part, you know, for the scene or whatever it was. And I remember doing dangerous liaisons. Mm. And I only had like three or four words that I had to say that were in French. And I mean, I... I struggled so hard. That's when my teacher took me to the side and he's like, you got to understand where this is coming from. He was like, you, you need to look, look at this phonetically. And I was like, oh, okay. Because when you learn phonetics, that's a different ballgame because it teaches you how to pronounce the word and what muscles to use, especially an Eastern language like that. It's definitely different. It's very different. And so I'm trying, I'm trying, and it's kind of fun. <laughs> and that's a lot of fun. I love that. It's so adventurous. I love that about
0: you. Oh, thanks. I'm, I'm excited about it. But, you know, like I was just going to say, because I do like to just kind of drop everything and take off and go somewhere. You know, like a couple of years ago, I'm really lucky that I have family in Costa Rica still. And my aunt had been saying, you know, come to Costa Rica and you can just stay in my house anytime. It's always open to you. So one day I was sitting at work and I texted Sophie. <laughs> want to go to Costa Rica for two weeks? And she's like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So then I wrote my aunt. And literally, I'm not kidding you, like within 30 minutes, my cousins were already texting me. Hey, Prima, I heard you're coming to Costa Rica. When are you coming? What are the dates? Let us know when you're here so we can take time off work. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I just asked. Do you have space? 30 minutes ago. And we had the best time of our lives. That was kind of an introduction for Sophie because she doesn't really speak Spanish. And I spoke Spanish. So, and then, and then my whole family speaks English really, really, really well, like embarrassingly well compared to my (laughs) Spanish. It's like, oh my God, you know, like I am always so blown away when I hear people from other countries speaking English so perfectly, and I feel like they speak it perhaps even better than I do. And I'm a word lover, you know, and I love to communicate and I love to connect with people and I love use I do love using new words. But these are people who are not native English speakers, and they sound phenomenal. And then they can just switch to their own language. I really can't do that. I don't speak Spanish enough to have kept up the practice, but it was nice for Sophie because she had people who were translating for her all along the way, or, you know, she needed to ask for something. She could just say, mom, can you ask them this? Or how do you say this? Or what she was trying, but now we're going to a country where neither one of us speak the language. But I think that it's a lot of fun to explore the world when you can. And I really hope that you get the opportunity to go and do a nice long vacation again, you know, like maybe connect somewhere in New York or wherever it is that you want to go next and see if there's like a club where you can yeah. DJ or where you can bring your karaoke and just spend a couple of weeks because I think it's so important. And I think that's why in many ways that was such a magical time for you is that it was the first time in a really long time that you'd had a big trip like that. But also we had this historic historic shakeup of biblical proportions in 2020 and everything after 2020 has, um, you know, life is still good, but I think it's cast in a little bit of a Paul or, you know it's not as fun oh, yeah. when you think back to everything pre-pandemic there was a lot of hope and there was a lot of assurance that everything was just fine and now there's uncertainty that accompanies it and so your memory of being in New York in 2019 you know like you didn't have to wear masks you had absolute freedom and this magical time despite the bugs in Kentucky you know right before going to New York right. and <laughs> So I think all of that just, you know, put all together makes that such a great memory. But like, it would be awesome if you could make some more.
1: Exactly. Well, I know what you mean. The world really changed. I mean, it wasn't even just the pandemic. I mean, it was the isolation. It was the stress between people with politics. I mean, that that has become such a huge thing mm-hmm. that never, you know what I mean? Like it never used to be a big deal between most people, where you could have your opinion, I could have mine, and it wasn't one of those things where you break it down into you're an idiot and you're like, whoa, you know? Like <laughs> I just have an opinion that's different from yours. Like we don't have to hate each other, exactly. You know, and it feels like the world is still at that point and. Um, Um, Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something I don't want anywhere. Yeah, we were actually planning to move there because I figured, you know what, at this point in my life, I'm a totally different person than I was at 23, but that my soul is still a New Yorker soul. Mm -hmm. When I got laid off in 2020, that's when it happened because he and I jokingly talked about like one day and then I was like, I just got laid off can move to new york you know i was like (laughs) i don't have this job to be stuck to our parents are gone now you know i mean my father's still alive but he doesn't rely on me or need me Mm -hmm. you know i mean like he's not like in my life day by day like my mom was you know so he doesn't rely on me or need me for anything he's got a girlfriend you know i'm like we are free his kids are grown he's got one that's already started her own family the other one's starting her own family now and it's like, this is a time for us to be who we are. And so it took some coercing on his, you know, for him, because he's never lived anywhere but California. So he was worried about that. And especially he thought that I wanted to live there forever. I was like, I don't know if I want to live there forever. I haven't lived there yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll both get there and love it and just be like, hey, cool. This is where we live now. I'm like, maybe we'll get there and we'll hate it immediately and be like, well, let's move back home. Like, right. who knows? Or somewhere in we between. Have no idea until we try. Let's move out to the yeah. sticks. <laughs> Yeah, I never want sticks. <laughs> never. No, we're we're looking at Staten Island when we came back from that trip. You know, I I was kind of like my mom. You know, in that I am like my mom in that way, like. I get something in my mind and I start planning it, even if it's never going to happen. I'll be like, "Oh, here's how my mansion's going to look." You know, <laughs> like, it's just one of those things that she put into me that that I kept along with everything else that I kept from her. So when we got back and he said, "Yeah, I might live there one time," you know, that that would be cool. And I was like, "Oh, okay." So I started Googling. I'm like, "What's the safest borough?" You know, because I knew we couldn't do Manhattan. You You're know. Right. Not, Again, like when I was when I was 23, I was like, sure, I can live in Manhattan. Like, I didn't mind living in a cracker box, you know. <laughs> I was like, I didn't have anything to lose. I didn't have anything to share with anybody. It was just me. And now it's me, eight dogs, Russ, you know. Yeah. His kids want to come and visit. Our friends want to come, you know. I had to really think about it. So Staten Island came up as the safest borough. When you look at all of the... The demographics, it's kind of an overlay of here in California and Long Beach. They're very similar, like the income, the price of houses, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of the same. I mean, we're definitely, there will be some differences like tolls. You know, tolls are very expensive over the bridges. But if you plan and you really, which will be very difficult for me because I'm so not a, what do you call that when someone's like actually on time? I don't even know what the word is. (laughs) Yeah. punctual there you go see i don't even know the word because i'm not a punctual person i live in my own i live in my own time zone it's called gianna it's, gianna time you tell, me, you tell me be ready gianna time i'm like be there in 15 minutes that means i'll be there in about half an hour and 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 or maybe 10 minutes you never know with me you just don't know what's going to happen <laughs> So I'm like I'd I'd have to really become disciplined about getting to the ferry and getting over to Manhattan in time if I want to get free travel because the Staten Island Ferry is free, you know, but I love traveling around using the subway. It was very easy. I loved how quick it was too. I had no problem with it. I enjoy the train. enjoy the ride.
0: And do you think that when you go there you'll be doing the same thing you're doing
1: now? The Absolutely. karaoke and the teaching and everything. Yeah, that's my main goal because I just, especially there, there's so many. That's a vibing scene over there, huh? Oh, totally. I mean, that's just so much more opportunity. Plus, living on Staten Island, we're close to New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and then all of the boroughs of New York. I'm gonna have more of an opportunity to be all over the place, and I've got. You're talking yourself into this now, huh? (laughs) Oh no, no, I'm the one who believes in me. A lot of other people. They're like, I don't know. I don't think you can. I don't, know. And I'm like, these last few years has proved to me that I don't need anybody to believe in me. I need to believe in me. That's the biggest thing
0: that allows people to propel themselves forward. And, you know, it's kind of like also with the podcasting, I just had to put that first episode out there. And like, yep, I'd done storytelling. I'd done a little bit of acting. I am really creative, but yep. I never thought I'd be talking and going oh you know what this is cool this is cool like I'm okay with this exactly and it's just that believing believing in yourself dogs travel love of friends what else is there in life right this was such a fun talk and I hope that it got your travel bug going there's so many places near and far to explore and especially if you have furry friends take them with you they just add to the excitement Check out the show notes for links and please also take a moment to rate this episode because your ratings really do help move this podcast closer to the top of searches so that my friends and I can reach more people. I am looking forward to sharing more upcoming In the Company of Friends talks with you. So be sure to follow me on the socials and the dot com all at the Queen Trail podcast. That's T-H-E-Q-U-A-I-N-T-R-E-L-L-E podcast. I am Annan, The Queen Trow, and until next time, I wish you passion, grace, travel, furry friends, music, elegance, and beauty.